Welcome to The Point. I'm Mindy Todd. It's our monthly book show where today we explore different genres. What if you were to look to topics or genres you don't normally consider? With us this morning, Ray Titcomb from Titcomb's Bookshop. Hi, Ray. Hi. Gabrielle Faria Calcanis, reference librarian at Sturgis Public Library. Hi, Gabrielle. Hi, Mindy. All right, Ray. So this came from, this idea came from your book club, the Branch Out Book Club. So tell us what the book club is. Yes. Or was because it was for the winter, right? So. <laughs> yes, we had it. La- we started it last year. Um, it is on hiatus right now due to staffing changes, but um, we're, we hope to get it back running again. Um, and it's basically just the goal of it is to read books that you might not normally read. So it's a diverse uh, array of genres and different voices and uh, different perspectives, and just to get you to read about something that you may not have uh, heard of before or uh, wouldn't typically read. All right. So, Gabrielle, that, that was the assignment, right? Yes. And you're like, what? Yes, I have to say <laughs> thank you for choosing this topic because it really encouraged me to broaden the scope of my search um, for recommendations because when I think of branching out, I think of genres like sci-fi, fantasy, and horror. And those are genres where writers are building incredible worlds and doing amazing things, but admittedly, they're a bit of a blind spot for me. So um, because I'm more of a contemporary or a historical fiction reader, so that's why last month on the show when we talked about historical fiction, I was very much in my comfort zone. Um, but as I was trying to think of ways to make worthy contributions to this discussion, I thought maybe I could focus my choices on picks that are a sort of uh, a stepping stone between mm-hmm. genres, you there know, you maybe go. linking things that people are more comfortable reading with things that push them just a little bit outside. So mine are kind of going to be a little bit of a bridge between genres. And the good thing about it is you you start reading it and you don't like it. You don't have to. Nobody says you have to finish it, right? Right. There's plenty of books in the sea. And and besides, it's like, you know, you never know. You might love it. You might find something you love. So, Ray, what's your first pick? Sure. So my first pick, um, and I didn't bring it here, but um, it's called Ours, O-U-R-S, by Philip B. Williams, and it just came out last Tuesday. And um, Philip B. Williams is a poet, and you can definitely tell uh, that in uh, in this book. The language, uh, his writing is just incredible, um, and it really sucks you in. Um, and it, so it takes place in, in 1834, um, and it begins with a black woman named Saint who has magical powers, um, so it's sort of um, magical surrealism. And um, she founds a sm- small a settlement north of St. Louis uh, with some slaves that she has liberated. And through magic, she makes the town invisible to the outside world. Um, but the inta- inhabitants of the town discover that Saint uh, has provided them safety, but not necessarily freedom. Mm. Um, and as the next four decades pass, uh, more characters come into the novel, um, and uh, it's it's sort of a big sweeping story. Um, it's a rather large book, but uh, it just it from the very first page, it just takes you in and good writing yeah. yes yeah. it's breathtaking really. and it's so funny you say magic and I, I that's probably a turn off to some people oh a book about magic and other people are like ooh magic right <laughs> yeah and it's actually a turn off to me normally yeah. um so I definitely was stepping out of my comfort zone with this um but I realized that it he just he 
he takes it very seriously and it's um it's informed by uh black mythology and surrealism and spirituality and it's not um what you would think of as just sort of like fun magical Mm -hmm. you know not that that's bad as well but um but it's it's very the themes in it are very powerful and he he just does it really well sounds interesting and the book again is called ours ours okay Gabrielle? So my first pick, um, speaking of magical, is The Book of Doors by Gareth Brown. Um, This is a novel for readers of contemporary fiction who kind of want to dip their toe into something more fantastical. It's not fantasy in the sense of it being a totally different realm with um, world building that is completely unlike our own, but there's um, a lot of magic and um, supernatural elements. So um, this begins in New York City with bookseller Casey Andrews, who is living an unassuming life when she is given a gift by a favorite customer. It is an unusual book full of strange writing and mysterious drawings. And at the front, there is a handwritten message to Cassie telling her that this is a book of doors and that any door is every door. Hmm. What Cassie is about to discover is that the book of doors is a special book that bestows extraordinary powers on whoever possesses it. Soon, she and her best friend Izzy are exploring all that the Book of Doors can do, swept away from their quiet lives by the possibilities of traveling anywhere they want. Then she's approached by a gaunt stranger in a rumpled black suit with a Scottish brogue who calls himself Drummond Fox. He's a librarian who keeps watch over a unique set of rare volumes. The tome now in Cassie's possession is not the only book with great power, but is the one most coveted by those who collect them. Mm. Now Cassie is being hunted by those few who know of the special books. With only Izzy to confide in, she has to decide if she will help the mysterious and haunted Drummond protect the Book of Doors and the other books in his secret library's care from those who will do evil. And um, so I thought about this book... Uh, for lovers of books about books because there's so many readers out there who love to read books set in bookshops, libraries. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of in that wheelhouse. So anybody who's finds that appealing might like to explore the idea of literally going to another world through reading, through mm-hmm. books, um, because I know that's why a lot of us like to read is to escape. Um, and this kind of makes that literal um, with the f- uh, fantastical elements. And Overarching the whole thing is um, this uh, shadowy, sadistic woman who is playing this villain character, and you don't really find out until the end what her story is all about. Mm. So there's suspense, there's some twists and turns, um, there's a lot of the supernatural. So um, this is The Book of Doors by Gareth Brown. Boy, thank you. Right. Um, so my next one is called Whale Fall by Daniel Krauss. Um, and it it has been described as the Martian meets 127 hours, which I think <laughs> is a, a good description. Um, it's about a, a young man who he he's trying to find the remains of his deceased father in uh, the off the coast of Monastery Beach in California. And he is you know, scuba dives, um, to go find them. And 
um, he and it's sort of a way to relieve his guilt um, due to his sort of tumultuous relationship with his father. Um, And in doing that, he actually ends up getting swallowed by a whale. Um, So this one is often a hard sell for people who are don't really like like far-fetched plots like that and how is um, that possible right <laughs> yeah um and that's that's kind of what drew me in about this book was that it was such a, a crazy plot like that um but it's it's sometimes hard to pitch to people but um i just urge people to not let that plot line turn them away because he it's uh, the writing is really good first of all the sentences are beautifully crafted and he deals with uh, Jay the character the main character has to face his demons in this whale um and and the past with his father comes up and um helps him get through the whale and uh it, it just it it's so much more than just the thrilling story of him inside the whale which can be stomach turning at times Mm. um so if you're uh likely to get queasy by um gross stuff you might (laughs) it might be hard but it's it's like a few chapters (laughs) it's worth it though because it's so and and it's it's very exciting and um it's just i loved it it was one of my favorite books last year oh surprisingly and again the name and the author whale fall by daniel kraus okay Gabrielle. So my next pick is called The Bullet Swallower by Elizabeth Gonzalez James. Um, This was published just last month in um, January. So this I chose because, again, it's sort of a bridge between historical fiction and um, uh, I would say not necessarily fantasy, but it has magical realism in it. Um, So the more fantastical. This is a dual timeline story. So in one timeline, it's um, in 1895. The plot follows a man named Antonio Sonoro, who is the latest in a long line of ruthless men. He's good with a gun and drawn to trouble, but he's also out of money and out of options. A drought has ravaged the town of Dorado, Mexico, where he lives with his wife and children. So when he hears about a train laden with gold and other treasures, he decides to rob it with his younger brother Hugo in tow. When the heist goes awry and Hugo is killed by the Texas Rangers, Antonio finds himself launched into a quest for revenge that endangers not only his life and his family, but his eternal soul. Fast forward to 1964. Um, We meet Jamie Sonoro, who is Mexico's most renowned actor and singer. His comfortable life is disrupted when he discovers a book that purports to tell the entire history of his family stretching back to biblical times. In this book, Jamie learns of the multitude of horrific crimes committed by his ancestors. Um, And when a mysterious figure shows up in Mexico City, Jamie realizes that he may be the one who has to pay for his ancestors' crimes unless he can discover the true story of his grandfather Antonio, the legendary bandido El Tragabales, the bullet swallower. This story is inspired by the author's own great-grandfather, who was actually dubbed the bullet swallower after surviving a gunshot wound to the face. Oh, wow. Yeah, she learned about the story of her great-grandfather, and um, he, like the character in the book, led a life um, 
with crime and um, all kinds of um, dangerous living, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And um, she was intrigued about his story. So what she did was kind of um, look back to that time and use that time and that storyline as a vehicle to explore issues of um, redemption and um, the legacy of intergenerational trauma and also um, to explore racism and colonialism. Mm. And another interesting thing about this book is that it's set on the Texas-Mexico border. So it brings up issues that are relevant today, but does so in a way that's a lot more complicated and um, messy and human and probably a lot more realistic than the sound bites we get about what's going on at the border. So um, I know she's an author who's from that area and she loves that area, calls it home, and she um, brings a lot of that to the story as well. So this is for fans of Westerns who want to branch out a little bit. Um, like I said, there's a magical element that sort mm-hmm. of overarches. Um, without giving too much away, I'll say that there is a character who is a soul collector. So um, mm-hmm. readers who are a little bit confused at first of what's going on, just be patient and you'll um, you'll figure it out <laughs> yeah i was trying to think of, of of a book maybe i read that <clears throat> did you know was out of my genre that uh, you know stayed with me and it's an older book mm-hmm. um the lovely bones which i'm sure you mm-hmm. both are familiar mm-hmm. with by um by alice Hebold. um that was a book all right i'm sorry a teenage girl who's raped and murdered and i'm like yep i'm out right yeah. but um my sister-in-law i think recommended it she goes no you got to read this book and that was a book that just you know obviously it was a bestseller it became a movie and a play and it mm-hmm. it really suck but it it was one of those just it was worth the stepping out even though that's such a horrific yes, <laughs> you know story totally. um but yeah so yeah you just yeah sometimes you discover these little gems that you normally would right that you would initially yeah. cast off as yeah. no I'm not going yeah, there I'm not going there exactly we're talking about uh, branching out our reading choices this morning 866-999-4626 what was a book that you branched out that you just absolutely loved we'd love to hear about it 866-999-4626 our email address the point at cape and we'll talk more after a break you're listening to The Point. It's our monthly book show. Today we're exploring different genres with Gabrielle Faria Kalkenis. She's reference librarian at Sturgis Public Library and Ray Titcomb from Titcomb's Bookshop in Sandwich. 866-999-4626. Maybe you like murder mysteries and you decided, hey, I'm going to try this biography. Or the opposite. You're mm. a, a, a fic, nonfiction reader and you picked up some fiction. We'd love to know uh, what stuck with you when you branched out. 866-999-4626. Our email address is The Point at capeandislands.org. Ray, what's next? So my next book is a poetry book. Um, and with poetry, you either love it or you hate it. Um, but I, this book will make you love it. Um, this is a poetry collection. It's a collection of 50 poems um, by, it's called, sorry, it's called Poetry Unbound, 50 Poems to Open Your World by Padraig Otuma. And Padraig Otuma has a podcast of the same title, Poetry Unbound, where he reads a poem in his lovely Irish accent and uh, and then talks about it afterward. And this book is the same format. He has 50 poems and after each he does a little reflection and does he Um, talk about what he sees in the poem because it could be different than what the poet was talking about right yes it well he it's sort of informed i mean it's definitely from his 
his reading of it. Um, so you get a, a little insight into who he is, um, but you le- you definitely learn to read the poems deeper as you go through and read his reflections um, after reading each poem. And it's a book that you can pick up and put put down. Um, you can just read one poem. You know, they're very short reflections after just a page or two. and um, But you'll find yourself it's addicting. You'll just keep <laughs> reading them. Um, and this was actually our, the first book that we read for the Branch Out Book Club when oh. we did it at the bookshop. Um, and it just really stuck with me. Um, he's, I love his, his insights. It's very, he writes very accessibly. Um, it's easy to read, but um, it just makes you think deeper about the poems and of all different topics it's not just yeah. oh, yes okay. all different poets from classics to contemporary poets that are lesser known um, all different types of voices and the name again it's called Poetry Unbound by Padraig Otuma alright Gabrielle so my next pick is Lone Woman Lone Women by Victor Lavalley, and this was published in 2023. And so this is another Western. Um, I guess I'm on a little bit of a Western kick, (laughs) but I think that that place in that um, time when the West was... um, you know, opening up is really ripe for good storytelling. And um, I think traditionally those stories have had a, you know, a white Eurocentric focus. So now it's great to see a lot more voices entering that space and um, telling stories from different perspectives. So this is, um, again, a twist on the Western, but it's genre bending combination of historical fiction, speculative, horror, and suspense. So um, if you're wanting to branch out and you're used to reading historical, give this a try. Um, The novel opens in 1915 when something so awful has happened to Adelaide Henry's parents that she has set fire to the California farmhouse with their bodies resting on their beds upstairs. Soon afterwards, she escapes to Montana where she acquires a homestead under the Homestead Act. According to the 1862 law, um, adult citizens could claim acres of surveyed government land for a very small fee. Um, They were required to live on and improve the land by building a home, planting trees and crops, and raising livestock. And after three years of um, successful farming, they would, quote, prove up, um, and the land would become their registered property. So um, there were actually some single women during this era that took advantage of that, and it wasn't um, black women weren't excluded from that um, either. So this is a story about um, Adelaide who um, chooses to go out and take advantage of this opportunity um, as a way to escape the horrors of um, whatever happened in California um, to cause her to set fire to her family's home. So the reader will discover that as the story unfolds. Um, So these women who would go out there were referred to as lone women. Um, And the only thing Adelaide takes with her is a small bag of necessities and a heavy padlocked steamer trunk filled with secrets. She carries this enormous trunk with her wherever she goes. Um, It's locked at all times because when the trunk is opened, the people around her start to disappear. Mm -hmm. 
The story traces Adelaide's story as she faces a harsh new environment and struggles to keep her secrets contained. Not only do we see her struggles, we hear, um, we see her form new bonds with other lone women and outsiders, and those sustain her and carry her through. Um, aside from crossing genres, this novel branches out again in that it offers perspectives of those that we haven't typically heard from in the Old West. Um, while the town is predominantly white, Adelaide meets a diverse set of characters from different walks of life, and this is reflective of actual people who were drawn to Montana by the promise of the Homestead Act. Um, the horror element revolves around the steamer trunk and what is locked inside. Um, blood is shed, horses and people go missing, a white lynch mob looms, and like all the best horror, this croup this um, creepy, speculative element, um, these have symbolic meaning and tell a much bigger story. Um, this is a story about family secrets and survival and self-reinvention. Um, it's a story that explores the social dynamics of in-group versus out-group. Um, and Publishers Weekly called it moody and masterful. And the New York Times called it enthralling. So um, this is one for people who are um, willing to get a little bit scared yeah. <laughs> when they're reading. Yeah, not me. No. I'm not, <laughs> it's like I was just trying to think. I was like, I told you about the Lovely Bones, which I end up loving. Right. I can. I'm well, thinking maybe of this one. one's for you. Maybe. This, the, yeah, this the, the the one that did not work out so well for me was some one of St I can't even remember which Stephen King it was, but mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm sleeping with the light the on. Creepy stuff. It's too scary. I'm like, right. yeah, no, I. Can't. Yeah, I don't want to be that no. scared. This steamer <laughs> trunk sounds pretty scary. Yeah, exactly. What's the name of the book again? This is called Lone Women by Victor Lavalley. Okay. Right. I'm with you, Mindy. I'm, I'm <laughs> such a wimp. I don't want to be scared as I'm going to bed yeah. at night. <laughs> uh, so my next book is Chain Gang All-Stars by Ajay, by, uh, excuse me, Nana Kwame Ajay Brenya. And um, I just re read this for my most recent book club, my personal book club. Um, and... It is about uh, two, so the main characters are uh, Loretta Thurwar and Hamara Hurricane Stacks Stacker. And they're the stars of Chain Gang All-Stars, which is the cornerstone of the CAPE program, which is the Criminal Action Penal Entertainment program. Um, so in this world, very much like our own, um, the prisoners fight for fight to the death for their freedom. Um, and it, so it's a very, uh, the, the book has a lot of shock value. Um, it's definitely exciting to read. The matches are very exciting. You're, you're like really get into it, but it's also just filled with horror, um, and brutality. Um, and I think what, Nana Kwame Ajebrenya was trying to accomplish was that to make people realize that um, the reality of the prison system in, in the United States and how there is so much violence and mistreatment um, and that this book, sort of far-fetched as it is, is not that far from our reality. Um, and one of the ways he does that, which is really interesting, is that he has footnotes in this novel, which is 
mm-hmm. not unheard of, but rare for a novel. Um, and the footnotes are sometimes they're facts, uh, statistics about the American penal system. Um, and then sometimes there are notes on characters in the books. So they're fictional. And it's really interesting how he mixes the the two and sort of confuses mm. reality. Um, and I think that really helps to accomplish his goal of uh, making people realize the the reality of the U.S. Yeah. Um, prison system. And the name of the book again? It is Chain Gang All-Stars by Nana Kwame Ajay Brenya. Now, we'd love to hear a, a book that you branched out to read and, and enjoyed, or maybe like my Stephen King experience. <laughs> no offense to Stephen King fans. I, I get there's an audience for that. <laughs> 866-999-4626-866-999-4626-866-999-4626-866-999-4626-866-999-4626-866-999-4626-866-999-4626-866-999-4626-866-999-4626-866-999-4626-866-999-4626-866-999-4626-866-999-4626-866-999-4626-866-
that you will be glued to the plot and story. And if not, you can call me at Sturgis and, and let me know about it. But um, I, I highly recommend checking this out. Um, and also Mouse. Um, that one, as an adult reading that, I just um, felt like I was learning a lot and getting a window into an experience um, that I otherwise wouldn't have that direct a window to. Um, but then also in this similar category, I brought... Um, two graphic novels for adults, um, because um, beyond the memoir category, there's also novels. And I brought two titles that um, are were popular books, um, again, as a bridge for people who maybe loved the books and um, are willing to try something new. So um, this one is my Brilliant Friend, which is an adaptation of the um, the novel by Elena Ferrante, which is one of my favorite series of all time. Um, so of course I saw this on the shelf and I had to pick it up. Um, but this traces the story um, of my brilliant friend, but does so um, from the perspective of one of the characters as if she's drawing her memories. And they're beautifully illustrated in very sparse language. It's mostly pictures with a little bit of text. Um, but it gives you a new, um, a new reading experience that I think people will really enjoy. It's, it's, um, it's another twist on, on revisiting an old favorite. And in that same vein, I have, um, To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee, um, adapted and illustrated by Fred Fordham. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm opening this up now. You can see that the the photos, um, not the photos, the drawings are done in sort of a muted um, mm -hmm. color palette, which gives it that sort of vintage feel of the time that the book was written. Um, and it's, again, just a new way to visit a classic favorite and maybe get something different out of it um, on through this um, medium. Now, would that be directed to a younger audience or... I think this could go for anybody who likes the original. And uh -huh. I think that the original is certainly um, appropriate for teens through adults. Right. Yeah, yeah, so this, again, it's is... Like a, I know graphic novels seem to be so popular with, you know, teenagers right. that um, it I hadn't even thought about it for adults. Yeah, I, I highly recommend adults take a look. And also for teenagers who maybe are studying it in school, maybe yeah. this is one way to get into it instead of just spark notes on yeah. the internet, you know. <laughs> the way I did it originally. <laughs> yeah, graphic novels for adults are it's it's just it's as thing. rich as the wow. kids section. Yeah. Okay. yeah <laughs> um, and speaking of which, um, I also brought uh, it's it's a little bit of a different um, graphic novel. Well, it's not a novel. It's a, it is a memoir, um, and it's called I Must Be Dreaming, and it's by Roz Chast, who is a <clears throat> excuse me New Yorker uh, cartoonist. Um, so the illustrations are really funny um, and very well done. And she, it's basically about her dreams um, <laughs> and her, she, so a lot of it is just cartoons of her, of dreams that she's had. Um, but there's also reflection, her reflecting on what is dreaming all about? Why do we do it? Um what what's going on there mm. why is it so weird um but there's not a lot of science in it it's just kind of it's her thoughts on it um and so it's very easy to read and you just breeze right through it and it it will make you laugh out loud I love when a book can make me <laughs> yes, laugh out loud know, um and <laughs> this one certainly did that 
Um, it's it's hilarious and delightful and relatable um, because we all dream yeah. and um, and it's so it's uh, illustrated and there's graph there's you know sections of cartoons within it so it's a very different book. Yeah, and again the name and. I Must Be Dreaming by Roz Chast. All right. We are talking about books that branching out into different topics and genres that we don't normally read. 866-999-4626. We'd love to hear what, what you don't normally read that you read that you loved. 866-999-4626. Our email address, thepoint at capeandislands.org. And we'll have more after break. You're listening to The Point. It's our monthly book show. Today, we're exploring different genres. With us is Ray Titcomb from Titcomb's Bookshop and Gabrielle Faria Calcanis from Sturgis Library. 866-999-4626 is our number. That's 866-999-4626. Our email address, thepoint at capeandislands.org. We mentioned today's topic comes out of uh, the Branch Out Book Club at, at Titcomb's over the winter. I'm just wondering... The people who took part in the book club, did they walk away going, yeah, that was good. I didn't think I was going to. And then how do you how did you choose the books? Did they choose them or or did the bookstore choose them? So we have um, two members of our staff that were leading it and they they chose they worked together to choose the books um, and they chose a very wide variety. And they did find that people walked away saying, oh, I'm glad I read that. And, and it was it was a mix of um, of younger people and older people in the book club. Oh. And it was interesting to see, like, sometimes the older people reading, you know, fantasy or mm-hmm. um, horror even um, and, and liking it. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. was really fun. Right. Ray, yeah. what's your next book? Um, so my next book is actually The Universal Declaration of Human Rights um, <laughs> by yeah. El- Eleanor Ro- Roosevelt. Um, and we have a series of books from Arcadia Publishing called Applewood Books, and they make these beautiful little leather-bound um, books of classic American works. Um, often uh, they'll have, like, writings from Ben Franklin um, and things like this, the the... Universal Declaration of Human Rights, so, you know, some some older texts. Um, and I just, I picked it up because, uh, you know, when do you ever go back and read mm. these, um, right. d- you know, founding texts? Um, and, and so in 1948, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt was the chairwoman of the United Nations Committee. Um, and that's when she created this work together with the the committee to create this um, document. And uh, it's now used by Amnesty International um, as their founding document. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't, I I had forgotten that fact. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And it's it's very short. Um, They've actually included, uh, let's see, six different uh, translations in the book. Um, And it's still very small because it's just a little, you know, declaration of rights. But um, it's just, it's so interesting to read these texts um, from today's perspective um, because you come across things like, uh, for instance, Article 25, motherhood and childhood are entitled to special care and assistance. All children, whether born in or out of wedlock, shall enjoy the same social protection. Mm. So, like something mm. like that would never need to be said these mm-hmm. days. But um, it's it's really interesting the things that they've they found important to include in these human rights 
And a lot of it is the same things as we feel today. But it's interesting to think about it from today's perspective and sort of imagine how you might rework it or um, mm-hmm. include other things that they didn't think of. Um, and so, yeah. yeah. And title again? Uh, it is the Universal Declaration. Declaration of Human Rights. Let's talk to Patricia giving us a call from Wareham. Hi, Patricia. Good morning. I have a wonderful biography that our book club is now reading, and it's thanks to Ray Titcomb's Titcomb Bookshop. (laughs) Um, It's called The Chancellor, and it's The Remarkable Odyssey of Angela Merkel. Oh, Now, that sounds like a stretch for everybody (laughs) because... (laughs) We're also focused on everything in the United States, but this has a lot of linkage between Germany under her chancellorship and the United States under uh, Reagan, Obama, George Bush, the whole nine yards. Mm. And it got wonderful reviews everywhere. Um, It's one of them from the New York Times to understand how we can protect democracy in an era of populist and authoritarian upheaval. We need to understand Angela Merkel. Mm. Katie Martin, that's the author, K-A-T-I, last name Martin, has produced an intimate, insightful portrait of an extraordinarily private leader who, in her quiet and determined way, made Germany the economic and moral leader of Europe. Mm. And they go on and on. Yeah, that sounds great. It's a wonderful read. I recommend it to everybody to read and because it'll take us out of our own um, dimension mm-hmm. and we will understand how to deal with uh, politics and people who yeah. are looking at life differently than we do. Yeah, Patricia, and there's yes. A chapter, yeah, the chapter that's particularly interesting, certainly was to me, is Angela Merkel's working with um, uh, Vladimir Putin in mm-hmm. Russia wow. and how, how they treat each other. And the fact that she was born in East Germany and then became the chancellor once Germany was unified into one country and Putin was called back to Moscow, more or less demoted in his KGB um, mm-hmm. guise, um, but how they understand each other. Yeah, Patricia, yeah. thank you for that suggestion. That's good. That's great. You. We appreciate yes. that. Um, we and then we have Marsha from Comicwood sent a note. She says after you interviewed Tor Hansen about his latest book, Hurricane Lizards and Plastic Squid, I had to read all of his titles, including Bus Seeds and Feathers, a great science storyteller and author with flair. Rye humor and illustrations. Um, yes, I got Tor Hansen. You can't go wrong there. Um, and then she says, for fiction, anything by prize-winning Gabrielle Garcia Marquez. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks so much for bringing Tor onto your show. Marcia, thank you for that. 866-999-4626 is our number. Our email address, the point at capeandislands.org. What did you step out of your box and read that you loved? We'd love to hear from you. Gabrielle. Um, I just want to say that um, book clubs are an excellent way to branch out. Absolutely. Um, Mm. I read a lot of things that I would never normally pick up in a book club. And um, it's fun to do it in a group with other people because they pick up on things that you didn't and maybe make you appreciate certain things a little bit more. So um, that's just a plug for book clubs. Um, (laughs) So my next pick is called The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue um, by V.E. Schwab. And this was published in 2020. And this is another sort of um, dip of the toe into the fantasy realm um, because the world that you enter um, 
somewhat looks like our own, but supernatural things are happening. Um, so the story starts in France in 1714, when, in a moment of desperation to escape an unwanted marriage in an ordinary life, a young woman makes a Faustian bargain to live forever and is cursed to be forgotten by everyone she meets. Thus begins the extraordinary life of Addie LaRue and an adventure that will play out across centuries and continents, across history and art, as a woman learns how far she will go to leave her mark on the world. But everything changes when, after nearly 300 years, Addie stumbles across a man hidden in a bookstore, and he remembers her name. Mm -hmm. So this is one, um, people love a love story. Um, this is some um, a choice for somebody that maybe likes a romance but um, it's not just a romance because it has a lot to say about the value of art and um, how um, the human desire to be remembered and the human need for connection um, because you can imagine if you're someone who's going to live forever and nobody will ever remember you that's an extremely lonely existence yeah. and so the character has to grapple with how to find meaning um, and again she turns to art and the author really explores that theme a lot um, she makes this um, this bargain with the devil um, and she <sighs> Well, I don't want to give too much away, mm -hmm. so I'll just leave it at that. Um, but this is a good choice for people who um, are maybe like historical fiction but haven't um, jumped into the fantasy realm. This is uh, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. Hey, thank you. Hey. That's one of my co-workers' favorite books oh, of all time. Okay. So. Time, wow. <laughs> Endorsement. Um, so the next one I'll talk about is uh, called End of the Hour uh, by Megan Riordan Jarvis. Um, and we're actually having a Zoom event with her tonight. Um, so if you want to join, uh, it's at 7 o'clock. Um, you can find out about that on our website. But um, it is, so it's a memoir, and I don't usually read memoirs. So I wanted to... Uh, do something different and um, this one is so she is a, a psychotherapist specializing in trauma and grief and loss um, she's also the, the podcast of uh, the host of the podcast grief is my side hustle mm. um, and she's also a two-time TEDx speaker and she wrote this book about when she herself was experiencing uh, PTSD and trauma um, following the deaths of her parents. And she realized that she had to check herself into the same uh, facility that she had recommended her patients to for 20 years. Um, so it's it's a really interesting story. Uh, memoir of of just a flipped perspective and her having to you know trade in the the psych uh the therapist chair for the patient's couch <laughs> and um just see what it's like on the other side and um she thought that all of her years of clinical training would prepare her for uh this her own trauma and and it it didn't she needed more help um, and I, I have a friend who has a daughter who she said um, that 
she, you know, her daughter often talks about trauma and, um, and she kind of like brushes it off and, and says, oh, you know, everybody experiences trauma. That's, you know, people talk about it. And, um, but then she read this book and it, it really made her take it more seriously and, and understand, um, Mm -hmm. what goes on when you're, when you're trying to get through that. Um, so yeah, I, I highly recommend this book. And again, the title? End of the Hour by Megan Reardon Jarvis. Okay. Gabrielle. So my last pick is The Kingdoms by Natasha Pulley. This was published in 2021, another bridge between historical fiction and um, a more fantastical story. That This includes time travel. So that's something I really love in a story. Some people are just totally turned off by time travel when they lose the plot and they lose track of it and I have to admit as I was reading it I did have to go back and you know reread a paragraph or two but I devoured this in a couple of days so I think that it's well worth any rereading you have to do Um, it's set in a time twisting alternative history where England lost the Napoleonic War and is ruled by an oppressive French government The main character, Joe Tournier, has a bad case of amnesia. His first memory is of stepping off a train in the 19th century French colony of England. The only clue Joe has about his identity is a century-old postcard of a Scottish lighthouse that arrives in London the same month he does. Written in illegal English instead of French, the postcard is signed only with the letter M, but Joe is certain whoever wrote it knows him far better than he currently knows himself, and he's determined to find the writer. The search for M, though, will drive Joe from the French-ruled London to rebel-owned Scotland and finally into the battleships of a lost empire, um, of a lost empire's royal navy. In the process, Joe will remake history and himself. Um, this book was so much fun to read. Um, it's the ultimate page turner for anyone interested in open sea adventure, um, suspenseful mystery, and time travel. Um, it, it it kept me guessing until the last page. Mm. Um, so ha- have you read it at all? No? no. Okay. I'm just looking for someone to share this book with <laughs> because it was just so much fun. Um, this is the... Kingdoms by Natasha Pulley. Yeah, and time travel, that's another one you say that people go like, eh, time travel. But there, there's a lot of great stories about time yes, travel. Yes, and this one was fun too because it was an alternate history. You know, the history went differently than how it actually went. So then it's fun to um, reimagine what places that are familiar to us would look like had it gone differently. And then you wonder if you if there really was time travel, would you change history and would we even know? Right. There's so many questions. Oh, so right? many questions open up. <laughs> All right. Um, so my next one is actually a uh, a landscaping book, um, and I don't uh, d- dabble much in gardening or landscaping, um, but I, I really wanted to check this out. It's called Guidelines for Cape-Friendly Landscapes, and it's put out by the APCC, the Association to Prevent preserve Cape Cod and they did such a nice job with this book it's uh it's got some beautiful illustrations um and it just has great easy to understand uh easy to follow tips and tricks for um protecting our environment um you know with your 
within your yard and your garden um, and how we can um, protect the water and have healthy yards and protect and fostering the ecology of the Cape. Um, and a lot of landscaping is, you know, not good for the environment. Um, so this is, you know, specifically for the Cape. Um, and I just wanted to plug it because I love that they put this out and, yeah. um, and all the profits that the APC take, APCC takes for this book um, go back into the organization, um, so it's a it's a very yeah. um, very good. good purchase. It's and people are thinking about gardening right now. Yes, spring <laughs> is almost right. here. Yeah, yeah. I, I would like to look at that because I'm always looking at my big wide lawn, right? And I'm wondering ways to branch out from just the the classic lawn care um, so, because we've learned how bad that can really be for the environment yeah so just have a, about a minute left we're through your list right so oh, no. we'll go, go, about a minute go ahead ray okay um so <laughs> i i did bring a picture book that is a more literal take on branching out um <laughs> <laughs> it's called treehouse town um Hi. and it it is just such a a wonderful book. The, oh, illustrations, the illustrations are beautiful. They're beautiful. They have so much detail. Mm. Um, and it's about a a town in the treetops run entirely by children. And they just, they it's a children's paradise. They have <laughs> slides made out of sycamore trees. Mm. They have animals everywhere. They have a library, a garden, a kitchen. And they all cook together and clean together and farm together and play together. Um, and and the whole thing is told um, through rhyming verse, um, so it's a great read aloud, and it's just a great little escape. You really, really want to jump into this world of Treehouse Town. And totally. the title again? It's called Treehouse, Treehouse Town. And we will have a link uh, to all the books that we talked about here today a little later this afternoon at our website, capeandislands.org. Ray Titcomb from Titcomb's Bookshop and Gabrielle Faria-Calcanis, Reference Librarian at Sturgis Public Library. As always, thank you. Thank, thank you, you so Mindy. much, Mindy. I'm Mindy Todd. Thanks for for listening. The Point is produced by Amy Vince. The executive producer is Mindy Todd. Production assistance from Jenny Junker and Dan Tridel. Theme music by Benjamin Verdery and William Coulter.